Welcome to Smarty Pants, the podcast of the American Scholar Magazine, sponsored by Phi Beta Kappa. I'm your host, Stephanie Bastic. Alice Hoffman's 1995 novel, Practical Magic, for those of you who haven't read it or seen the incredible movie version starring Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman and the most beautiful house in Massachusetts, is the story of two sisters who are born into a magical family of witches. But the catch is that their ancestor, Maria Owens, cursed the family to have any man they fall in love with die an untimely death. It's a classic fairy tale in so many ways and with the appropriate amount of death and darkness of a real fairy tale. After going back to the 1960s generation of the family with 2017's The Rules of Magic, and then all the way back to Maria Owens in the 1600s with Magic Lessons last year, Alice Hoffman returns this year to the present with the fourth and final story of the Owens family, The Book of Magic, which sees the youngest Owens, Kylie, maybe finally breaking the curse for good. Alice Hoffman is the author of more than 40 works of fiction, and she's joining us for a magical pre-Halloween episode. Thanks so much for talking to me, Alice. It's great to be here. Thank you. So how does it feel to say goodbye to the Owens family? You know, when I was writing the book, I was crying a lot, so it was difficult. (laughs) But now that it's over and it's in the world, I kind of feel like it belongs to the readers, and it's not gone in the same, you know, I don't feel that this feeling of loss that I thought I would feel. I love the story of how you returned so much because you say that you only returned to the Owens because readers were clamoring for you to return, <laughs> right? <true. laughs> yeah. People were writing to me and saying, we think there's more. We want a, we want a sequel. And I never, ever thought I'd write another book that had to do with practical magic. If I did, if I had thought of that, I would have made an outline. I would have um, known more what I was doing, but I just kind of jumped into it. And instead of a sequel, I really was interested in writing a prequel because I'm interested in family histories and what makes us the people that we are. Right. Well, I mean, it's almost like you couldn't say no after finally giving it. <laughs> it wasn't just one prequel. It was two prequels. And now, at last, a sequel. <laughs> a sequel. I know. <laughs> Once I started, I, I, I realized how much I missed the family and I just wanted to stay with them. I mean, what is it about these characters that you think draws people in and like made you want to stick with them for three books after the first one? You know, that's interesting because I feel like a lot of times readers feel like they're they're like one of the characters. Mm-hmm. When Practical Magic came out, I, I think it was, you know, are, do you feel like you're like Sally or like Jillian? They were two sisters who were very different. And I know I always felt more like Sally, who was kind of, she wanted to be normal. She wasn't interested in magic. She didn't want her family history. And that has changed over the years. But I think people kind of relate to one character or another. And I think there's always this feeling, you know, there's a curse in the books, as you were saying. And I think people do feel like these family legacies that they're not officially a curse, but they're legacies that affect you, even if they happen to your grandparents or great-grandparents. Right. Well, and there's also the fact that everybody is a witch and there's magic, which, you know. Right. (laughs) 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 Well, what inspired you to write about witches in the first place to make these women, you know, in the 90s, witches? You know, what is it about the figure of the witch? Well, you know, I didn't really know, but I I did, you know, during COVID, I was like cleaning up my house and going through all my very old papers. And I found this drawing that I had made in first grade for school of a witch, um, this little witch with a a cat and a bat. And I'm like, this is my, this is my subject matter, even in first grade. 
And, you know, everything I read as a child had to do with magic. And all the books that I loved, many of which I mention in the Book of Magic, and there's a list of books that really affected me throughout my life. You know, there's something about the figure of the witch that still impacts us. The outcast, for one thing, but also the idea that it's the mythic figure and the only female mythic figure with power. And I think that really appeals to little girls and grown women alike. How did you adapt the witch for the modern day, so to speak? Because, I mean, unlike your first grade drawing, there aren't a ton of broomsticks or pointy hats. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I'm sure you can find them if you look for them. You know, because I think it's kind of the deeper meaning of what a witch is. And I think that what, what, what a witch was was kind of corrupted in fairy tales when, when, you know, the oral tradition of, of these stories and these fairy tales were taken over by men like the Grimm's who then put their own spin on it uh, for the patriarchy. And, you know, so that the witch was always kind of ugly and dangerous. Um, and I think it's kind of taking back the figure of the witch and um, making it what how, how we see it or how I see it in these books. Did you draw on any kind of particular research, kinds of witches, kinds of magic, like in the historical record that were inspiring for you? Well, I mean, I did read a lot about Salem, Massachusetts. That was really interesting in that um, so much of it, I think, really had to do with financial reasons. You know, a lot of times there were women who owned property that someone else wanted, women who were old, women who were young, women who had nobody else to protect them. Um, and, and one of the things that I felt really strongly about is that um, when I did research about England and in the 17th century, where the Owens family comes from, is that how important it was to have the ability to read and write. Because at that point, 90-something percent of women were illiterate. And I think that words are are power and words are magic. And I think I was coming from that kind of research. And I feel like spells and incantations, it's all about words. And it's all about claiming um, books and writing um, that gives you power. Mm -hmm. And this book is all about books. The very first line of the Book of Magic, to quote it, is, some stories begin at the beginning and others begin at the end, but all the best stories begin in a library. And the Book of Magic, down to Mm -hmm. the title, is very heavily invested in books in the plot, too. Yeah, I think for me in my life, books were magic. They rescued me. They saved me. I spent a huge amount of time in libraries, in my school library, and then in the public library in the next town over. And I feel like if I hadn't done that, I would have a completely different life. So if that's not magic, I don't know what what is. And it was, for me, a huge escape. And also, I had this feeling of power that I could enter into any world that I wanted to, and I could find about out about the world that I, things that I wouldn't have known if I hadn't been a reader. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, this is a podcast about books, so I can <laughs> absolutely <laughs> relate. Um Well, let's talk about one of the books that is sort of central to the Book of Magic. Mm -hmm. This is actually probably the Book of Magic of the title, which is written by a historical Mm. figure. Can you tell us about the Book of Magic, what it is, what inspired it, and who the author was? Yeah, the Book of Magic is really like, uh, it's it's a grimoire, which is is, um, what women and witches would write their own, kind of a personal journal of, of, one's life and one's magic. And, um, 
So there's, there is a dark grimoire that's written by Amelia Bassano. She was a historical character, historical figure. Um, and I think it's really a very, her book is very bitter because she was the first woman to publish a book of poetry in England. And she was very much ignored. There are people, some people who feel that she was, um, the dark lady in Shakespeare's work. There are some people who think that she wrote Shakespeare's work. Um, she was a Jew from a Venetian family, very educated, um, but not really able to have her own life as, you know, as was true for women at that time. So she's kind of, she takes her power through words and through writing. And she influences the Owens women in the 17th century and then again in, in modern times. This isn't the first time you've brought in a historical figure into the text. What is it about, like, touching on, like, real history in a mm. fictional novel for you? Because it happens a lot, not just in the Practical Magic series, but in your other books, too. Yeah, I think I have this feeling that I want to tell the stories of women who were not able to tell their own stories. And, uh, you know, I don't think of it as a burden. I think of it as an honor to be able to try to do this. And I have done it before with historical figures or just in historical situations. And, and you know, it feels to me like a gift to be able to do this. And I feel like she never did, was able to tell her own story. She was seen um, the way the men around her saw her. Yeah. I think it's really interesting, too, that she was a Jewish woman because in some ways there are deep parallels in terms of the persecution of witches and the persecution of Jews in Europe, especially, but also in the States. Um, and it's so interesting that Amelia Bassano was a Jewish woman. And then in magic lessons, there are Jewish pirates who come in. It, it seems yeah. like a little undercurrent, these parallels between the two. Well, you know, I, when I did research about the Inquisition, I wrote a, a book for, uh, for young adults, I don't even know if it's really for young adults. I, I don't know what the distinction is called, um, incantation. And it was about the Inquisition. And I discovered that the only European countries where there weren't witch trials were Spain and Portugal because they were too busy persecuting the Jews. And it seemed like, you know, both things served the same purpose, you know, to create an outsider, to persecute that outsider, to bring together everyone else. And I found out that, you know, when the Jews left um, Spain and Portugal, there was almost no no country that would take them. Certainly England wouldn't take them. They had to live on the seas. And so there were so many Jewish explorers and navigators. And then I discovered pirates as well. It's really astonishing what kind of magical, like almost unbelievable historical figures are in our own past if we bothered to look. You know, you would never think pirates. But of course, it makes absolute <laughs> I <know>. sense. <laughs> I know. You know, I had that sense when I, I wrote a book called The Marriage of Opposites about Camille Pizarro, the impressionistic painter. And um, I wrote about his mother, Rachel Pizarro. And they were also Jews on on the island of St. Thomas. And I was just so surprised by their lives and where they had come from and where they wound up. Um, so, yeah, history is very interesting to me, but also kind of trying to make it come alive in a novel is is a challenge, a big challenge, but one that I really enjoy. What is the challenge for you? What is the hard part of that? Well, you have to stay true to the facts. I mean, you can't, you can't, you know. <laughs> They're so inconvenient. People. It's very inconvenient. And, you know, one of the things that happened to me was I had to stay true to my own novels as well, mm -hmm. which if I had known that I was going to do this, I would have planned better. But 
Maria Owens, who's the original Owens woman, and her story is the origin story. In Practical Magic, she is in love with John Hawthorne, who is one of the judges at the Salem Witch Trials. And so I had no choice but to, in Magic Lessons to have to have that happen again, even though I knew it was going to bring her tremendous grief, which it does. And that's really the reason for the curse is because of John Hawthorne, who was a horrible judge and the only judge at the witch trials who never apologized um, for his actions. It is definitely a, a balancing act to sort of stick to your own story and then also stick to those inconvenient facts. <laughs> right. Because I don't want to change any facts. Right. I I can open the door to say perhaps this happened, but I can't I can't change what really happened. Well, that's kind of the beautiful thing about all of these lacunae in history. There are these gaps in the record where you could breathe something into it. You can sort of fit characters and stories around the outlines of what we do know because there's a lot we don't. That's so true. And that's so true about women in history. Mm -hmm. And I found that when I was writing about women in ancient times, basically there was Cleopatra's story. That's it. You know, there was nothing about ordinary women. Um, and so it was that it's, that's challenging, but it's also exciting because you can expand what might have been. Mm -hmm. Right. And when, when things do come up, it comes up very late in the record, you know, like some tales of ordinary women survive completely by accident. You know, the fact that the story of someone who is not a queen yeah. survives through history is just right. happenstance. That's true. And that's why I like the idea of these grimoires that ordinary people, often witches, but are healers, um, write down the, you know, their lives in writing down what they do magically, their spells and what they do to, as midwives. You know, it's, it's pretty fascinating to see that, you know, history is can be composed of these sorts of books. What kinds of references did you use for the grimoire? Do you have an existing one in your vast magic library to draw from? There are there are some, although you know the tradition is is that is to have them be burned once once the person dies, which is so interesting because like your history dies with you, your book dies with you, which is kind of sad. I mean, I have lots of magic reference books, and most of the magic in my books, if not all but certainly the majority, um, is taken from actual spells or, or, or from some historical record. It makes sense that you would have a, a large magical library because I feel like magic is one of the through lines in a lot of your work, obviously in this mm -hmm. series, but um, in other books too. And I wonder if you, I think you've touched on this a little bit already in our conversation, but are there particular themes that you find yourself returning to again and again, you know, not just with the Owens family, but in your other work? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you ask that because I think I didn't realize that until far on into my career, because I don't think writers think of, oh, I have a theme. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they do, but I, I never did. And then I think I have two, which is one is what we talked about, the idea of trying to give voice to women who who couldn't tell their own stories. But I think the other thing that I'm most interested in is survivorship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it has to do with the Holocaust or whether it's Salem witch trials or, um, you know, I'm a breast cancer survivor of 25 years. But, but even before that, that was kind of my main interest is trying to figure out. I think it's, it, it's, I, I do it really for myself to try to figure out how in a world that can be so cruel people manage to survive and, and manage to do it with joy and kindness. It's a huge mystery to me that I'm never tired of exploring. 
Well, what are some of the answers that you found? Not conclusive ones, but potentials. Well, the biggest answer that I found was um, in 2016, I was suffering from depression, probably brought on by politics, but um, I decided I wanted to write a book about the Holocaust, which is, well, I didn't even know if I wanted to write a book, but what I wanted to do was talk to Holocaust survivors. And I started um, to interview people and become friends with people here and then in France. And I felt their survivorship and the way they had survived as whole people. I mean, I know some people were traumatized and never, never gained their lives back, but I was so impressed and so kind of, I, I don't even know. I really couldn't even understand how this was possible until I met them. And, um, that was, a, I think my, my best literary experience was meeting Holocaust survivors who had been children during the war and many of them had been sent away by their parents and never saw them again. And still they went on to have amazing lives and, and lives that were meaningful. That is, I think, what I'm trying to get at with my fiction in some way. How people survive anything like the Holocaust and emerge able to have meaningful lives is extraordinary and so individual, you know. But what might be a through line in all of these stories is how we really can't survive alone. We need other people and our relationships with other people help us to survive everyday sorrows and extraordinary sorrows. Yeah. And I think I think that's really why the practical magic books speak to so many people. I mean, I love a romance. I love a romantic comedy, but what I really love is a story about family relationships especially. Um, You know, those movies, those books that lure you in with the Valentines and the sweethearts and then sucker punch you because it's really about like your relationship with your mom or your sister. (laughs) That's not what it's about. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with you. I I love romances too, but I think this is, the romance is really between the women in in, in the books, the mother, daughter, very complicated relationships that are so complex and that I'm never tired of exploring them. And the, and the relationship between sisters and between friends and between aunts and nieces, I mean, such complicated relationships. Um, and I think that's what it's all about. I mean, really, the magic is the love between these people. And maybe the real curse is not believing in that. I think the curse is trying to protect yourself so much that you don't live your life. And I think that happens to a lot of people for a lot of reasons. We have links in the show notes to Alice Hoffman's Practical Magic series, including the last and final Book of Magic. I also put in the trailer for the movie version of Practical Magic, which ranks up there as one of the best romantic comedies of the 90s. So definitely check it out. We'll be back next week. Till then, take care and stay sharp.